Welcome to Relatable with Ash, where we talk about all things mindset, wellness, relationships, and empowerment. <laughs> Hello. 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 Howdy, partner. <laughs> I'm very sleepy and uh, feeling a bit weird because I woke up with my period during the middle of the night and I had cramps and I couldn't sleep. So yeah, I'm not caffeinated today. You'll probably be able to hear that. Maybe not. But Chaz is having a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I broke the, the caffeination. What's the word? Hiatus? Hiatus. Hiatus. Um, and so that's the first coffee I've had in a month and a half. Maybe getting closer to two months. And if it was good. I enjoyed it. They make strong coffees too, Stella Russell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, definitely, like, I feel pretty straight now, but mm. I had to take a few deep breaths <laughs> about 10 minutes after yeah. having that, that first coffee. Yeah. Uh, definitely get, like, a, a strong sense of euphoria for a bit there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting when you're taking your coffee after such a long break and noticing how strong of a substance it actually is and i can see why the uh the government really pushes for its use yeah really gets people productive mm-hmm. um yeah we were talking about a few different things in our morning coffee day this mm-hmm. morning um w- one of them we were talking about um what a female objectification mm-hmm. and just how pornography's influence on the way men view view the world it puts like this lens on you think you're solving a problem i think is the bigger issue is like men uh have like a desire and a need to have their sexual frustration released Mm -hmm. and And i've heard the perspective of like sorry men uh they like men who are like incels or whatever uh, I've heard porn be used in the argument that it prevents them from going and taking action on innocent women by mm. being able to stay home and just watch porn. Yeah, and that was an argument I used to make as well. That was, it was You're literally repeating an argument I, I used. Mm. And I used to say that. I was like, well, maybe porn does have a place in the fact that there's these lonely men who can't find someone and it possibly prevents them from going and taking their sexual frustration in a a negative a negative way out on some poor person in the public right and then something bad happens but i now no longer have that opinion whatsoever and it's been a long time since like well i've committed for a long time now to um removing pornography from my life completely and it's interesting once because I used to have those arguments when I used to watch it, right? Mm. And but in your head, yeah, it, well, not in my head, but I would argue, I would, oh, these are the reasons for it, right? But I, in some sense, I was arguing, I, I was arguing my addiction, mm. <laughs> right? Like I was just, I was trying to find a justification to continue an addiction in some sense, and and I probably wouldn't even be, um, to the point of where people would even consider what I would like how much I was ingesting a an addiction mm. but 
it most certainly is like if someone asked me like how often do you uh, like or if I asked someone how often are you drinking throughout the week and they were like three times a week I'm drinking I I would immediately go mate you should probably drink less Mm. right but if you're watching porn three times a week people would probably think oh that's not too bad it's particularly being a guy Mm. it's so prevalent Mm. and even even further, like watching it every day or twice a day, which I, I think most single guys probably are doing, even that might not be seen as an addiction. Like people probably don't see it as an addiction until it's you're taking a lunch break in the bathroom kind of scenario. And then <laughs> yeah. people are like, oh, okay, that's now too far. Problem. That's too far. But mm. the big thing is, is like, and I had this argument at one point and I've heard, I've heard other people say it as well, is I'm removing my, like the veil of my sexual drive by getting this outlet. And for a small period of time, you are allowing you to extinguish your sexual need. Mm. However, what you'll notice and with all addictions is the frequency in which you need to extinguish that need slowly becomes more and more frequent Mm -hmm. and instead of actually getting the result that you were looking for which was to view the world in a in a uh, through a lens that isn't objectifying everything Mm -hmm. you actually end up just objectifying everything 24 7 and you, you you're plaguing your mind with this parasite that is pornography and that's like it's a it's a scary problem to grapple with it it's a scary because it's so prevalent it's a hard thing to tell guys not to do mm. because in most cases people are hypocrites mm. and it, in most cases people who say like i feel like i probably now that i've like engrossed in like a christian community i feel like i'm around people that probably don't watch porn or engage in it mm. um at whatsoever but whereas outside of that community, it seems like I'm talking to a wall because mm-hmm. I think almost everyone else is engaging with it in some way. Mm-hmm. So it, in my world now, it's not, it's not, so, it doesn't seem so uncommon. It seems very normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the in the well, I don't want to use the word real world, but mm-hmm. like in, in the, the main in the mainstream world, it's it's super prevalent. And so when you're calling out on guys like that, like you're calling out on people who have had an addiction since they're in their teens. Mm. And like, I'm one of those people, right? Like I came into uh, a world where phones and laptops were just being handed out one-to-one to, to, well, I was 14 when I got given my first laptop. Mm. I like am still impressed to this day. I never used my laptop for watching anything like that out of fear that the IT department would like catch it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I knew lots of guys who just had like gigabytes on gigabytes. Mm. Back when like streaming wasn't a thing, you just downloaded everything. Yeah, yeah. Sharing on a USB. Yeah, and they would just have it on a USB or they'd share it or or whatever it was. And it was just like every dude had something, right? Mm. And that was like, that's what's so crazy. Like we pretend like that isn't the case. Mm. But I remember in high school, like every single guy had access to something that was like hardcore pornographic, which is scary Mm. because the addiction starts then. And then to remove such a strong need is almost impossible. Mm -hmm. 
It feels impossible. Because it's like become like at the most crucial point of your life where you're going to begin starting to orientate yourself in like almost a sexual way because you're going through puberty. Like you've you've got these desires now. Mm -hmm. And then you've got this thing that's just like fulfilling that desire that you're just like, particularly for guys, like I'm sure girls will relate to this too, but for guys like that, they just so antsed up with it that now you're just, you're trapped early. You're trapped early. And I guess what's sad is they they won't know a world for a long time unless they can somehow remove that grip onto pornography of just enjoying, like, well, it depends your, what your sexual orientation is. But, like, I guess for me, enjoying women for the person they are and never objectifying them. Mm. And until you can completely remove pornography from your life, there's always going to be a small part of your brain that does that. Mm-hmm. And, like, it, as I get older... I I personally, like, I never thought that was a problem, but I personally now I'm like, that part of me, I almost hate. I hate, like, uh, hate hate it popping up, right? And, like, as most, like... Uh, I do as well. Yeah, I think most adults, you know, especially, like, we all work in, work like, our work environments or our social environments, mm-hmm. there's a time and a place for those kinds of thoughts. So everyone's... Um, sh- suppressing them or at least should be in some way because Mm -hmm. it's like this is time for business Mm -hmm. and people do a really good job of that for the most part Mm -hmm. um but still having that like slight thing in the back of your mind Mm -hmm. it feels almost like it's like a little cancer in in the back of your head yeah as a guy it's also really hard to come to quitting something like that because like for instance you and i we have a sexual relationship right like you you have a sexual relationship with your partner or your wife and so in that case you're still being stimulated in some way in that uh with that need with that need and so that small part of you never gets to be completely extinguished like it never gets to be fully put out right and i'm not saying you should put it out I'm just saying, like, for instance, if you're a smoker mm. and the, the t- the, every time you smoke is because you're around socially drinking and partying. Mm-hmm. And so you quit smoking, but you keep socially drinking and partying. Mm. It's going to be really hard to ensure that you quit smoking altogether because yeah, you're still in that atmosphere. You're still stimulated. You're still in that atmosphere. Mm. And that's the exact same thing with, like, a, a sexual addiction like pornography is you're never going to be able to completely remove your sexuality from your life. Yeah. So asking men or women to quit pornography is a big ask because they're still going to get that stimulus somewhere. And It could just fuel an addiction elsewhere. Not that it's going to fuel an addiction elsewhere. It's just going to still keep bringing up that little need. You're like, oh, I could get my fix again kind of Mm. thing. And so it it just makes it a harder thing to, to quit because you're still getting stimulated mm. in another way. And there's always that super, super easy, quick fix. Like Everyone's got iPhones now. Everyone's got access to just endless internet. Mm. And it's, it's a tough addiction to break because you're never, you're never truly Turned off. disconnected from it. Pardon the pun. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting, like, like the, the porn industry pretty much fueled 
the rise of the internet in some sense if you look into oh, it. Oh yeah. Um it's a, a billion billion dollar industry. Um what what's interesting that you brought up was that you know that part of you that does have that like sexual need it can feel like a burden even for some I've never had a, a porn addiction or anything like that but I I noticed that part of me and there is shame there mm. and so I think perhaps in in some weird twisted way um you know for people watching porn it's like a a moment where they get to release shame for having that the burden of that feeling mm-hmm. in their everyday life but then the, but then I think you get the shame overload tenfold afterwards after you've mm. moved past that euphoric feeling uh, yeah. you're like oh god <laughs> yeah and that that's your gut feeling telling you that's uh, not right this is probably something I know I'm aware that I shouldn't be doing like you, your mm. body like you'll instinctively know that and I feel like that's why you get that guilt and I'm not sure if that's because culturally it is still like underground shameful mm. like it's not that it is just being like sexual you mean yeah yeah mm. well being sexual but even just like acknowledging acknowledging porn like that you watched pornography or watch pornography like you, that's not something you should bring up with other people culturally i feel i feel like i've heard it so many times like i feel like when people i haven't seen a lot of shame around it for men I've seen a lot of sh- in the faces of women whose partners are admitting to watching it. I've seen the shame within the women. Yes. And and possible resentment. Yeah. Because there's and like this goes back to speaking out, which we talked about in our last episode. When I found out that that was happening for you many many moons ago, um, <laughs> I was upset, and that opened up a conversation, and there was a lot of resistance and like a bit of a battle between us, mm. and eventually, um, you came around on your own to saying this isn't, this probably isn't actually cool. I think I do have an addiction. Mm. Um, and I, I don't feel as though I ever said you can't watch it, but I made it very clear that it upset me and that I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, and I would prefer if you didn't. Then yeah. time passed and after a while I was like, oh, you know what? I, and then I ended up bringing it up to you like, I don't mind now, it's up to you. Yeah. But by that point you had already seen and witnessed something that made you click and go oh actually that's that's not something i want to go i don't want to go down that path again yeah well i I, anytime someone can shed light on a piece of me that i haven't acknowledged as something that's holding me back in some way um i i normally try and take it pretty seriously even though it takes some time and then if i if i can adjust and make that change and and optimize my life in a in a better way i'm I'm going to do it mm. um the big thing that you also pointed out to me was the moral and ethical issues of it in the treatment of women in those videos mm. is like a lot of those, like some people are obviously making an absolute killing and crushing that industry. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is also people that could be in human trafficking situations, mm-hmm. not all of them. But in some sense, like if they're getting paid absolutely nothing or very little and they don't have any other choice. And for the most part, if you work in that industry, you're ruining any chance that you're going to have work in a lot of other industries Mm. so in some sense you've placed yourself in a position of slavery Mm. because you don't have any other opportunities now and it's also from what i've seen it's you know after 
not even to that point, like even in the in the room filming, it's harder to say no. You're mm. an actor, right? And mm-hmm. so, like when they say when they change the shit last minute, yeah, they like, you can't. You feel like you can't say no. If you say yeah. no, you're not listened to. It's yeah. like there's it's a lot of blurred lines there. Yeah, there's so many so many blurred lines. So just from like a ethical moral standpoint, once you start, because again, it's one of those things that for a long time, even myself, as a young man, I was playing ignorance to. But once you stop being ignorant and you open your eyes to it, you're like, oh, this is, this is something I don't want to support. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to support people being treated like that. Mm. All power to you if you're in a situation where you, you're exploiting that in a positive sense. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that that would probably be like a large minority. Mm. And for the most part, people are going to be getting mistreated in some way or another. Maybe not all the time, but it's going to happen at some point. And that's just not worth the trade-off in my eyes mm-hmm. for me, especially when it's just like something that I can effectively simply change. Mm. It doesn't take that much for me to change it. Yeah, It f- might feel like it for a little bit of time, but in reality, it doesn't. The other thing is men who are constantly addicted to that kind of cycle. They almost kind of, if they don't get much female interaction as it is, you almost start to wreak more and more desperateness about Mm. you. Oh, yeah. And so that's the other thing too. And you almost like incel yourself Mm. and you become like deeper and deeper into this hole because you no longer need to go find yourself a woman who's capable of taking care of you in the way that you want. And a lot of men, like your desire for a sexual partner is a strong desire to find a woman, but that's not why you have a woman. But if you keep blocking your desire to find a woman, Mm. then you're you're never going to have like enough juice or motivation or confidence to go out and do it. Yeah, because I think when people, you know, that feeling of, let's say someone who does watch porn frequently, they do it to go meet women, right? Mm -hmm. They're doing it to take the edge off. Mm -hmm. But that edge is like the competitive edge Mm -hmm. that is what women want to see. Like, I think people don't trust themselves enough to be in that situation, to have that, the eagerness the excitement like the wanting yeah and because you do get like you can get flustered Mm. right but the more you practice being in that state not only the better will you get at being in that state if you're trying to pick up women for example Mm -hmm. but women are gonna they're gonna feel that yeah like it's just i i can't explain it in in different terms but yeah it's a it's a vibe in some sense It's, it's a weird vibe that you end up putting out um uh, who knows maybe it's like you got some weird pheromones or something or it's just I, it's, it's probably your demeanor but like the way that like they're just coming across like the guys do you mean if they are if they're constantly watching it yeah and they're kind of inselled themselves mm. yeah i completely agree with that and that kind of makes me think of and again i used to in some sense hold this idea but i don't anymore and it was the whole principle of if you really like a girl, alleviate your sexual uh, desire 
by like jerking off before you have hang out with them. And then so when you hang out with them, you don't have this need. Mm. and then you'll actually get to know them as like a person because you won't be objectifying them for a certain amount of time mm-hmm. and i've had i've so many people have said that to me but like and i've i've repeated it as well right but the only reason why people are saying that is because they've already got an addiction you're trying to mask it's a band-aid fix. it's a band-aid fix and yeah. so that's what's sad about that as well like you shouldn't have to do that you should have enough control over yourself that you can operate in a manner that is genuine and you don't have this veil over the way you see the world it's just yeah it's it's a weird one because it's so prevalent it is and this conversation came up recently because I went anytime I'm not with Chaz I'm hyper aware of when men are looking my way Mm. even if it's from like my the tiniest part of my peripheral it's like I'm on high alert that's Mm -hmm. a whole entire different story but why I'm like that but I I was saying to Chaz I've started when people look at me I've started looking back at them because usually I avert my gaze because I'm like oh uncomfortable uncomfortable yeah and so I've started like looking at them to try and deter them from staring at me because I think they don't realise like, they're, like, they're literally staring. They're not just like having a quick glance for two seconds and then away. They, yeah. look, they are dead panning me <laughs> in the fucking eye. And so I, I've, I've, I looked at it and, tw- and twice on the same day, these men did not avert their gaze. And whether or not they didn't realise I was looking at them, which would be pretty hard to do when you're not wearing sunglasses... Or, or what I don't know, but I was like, why is it? Why is it like? How do? How can they just do that? And do they not realize that they're staring? And that started this whole conversation of like, when when you're a man who is like watching porn frequently, your veil of the world is differently, and you are, you it's easier to objectify women in that way. Yeah, well, because but and this is like it sounds controversial, but I think it's just common knowledge. Is men are very visual creatures, like mm. we're orientated towards being stimulated by visual things Mm -hmm. whereas females are orientated towards enjoying the narrative that's why you need to be a romantic to woo a a female Mm -hmm. and females genuinely tend to dress up and look good for guys because Mm -hmm. that's how you kind of draw them in and then hopefully you got chemistry from there right Mm -hmm. um and it's so it's it's kind of playing on that coding we have within us and so as guys if you're constantly exposing yourself to that you're just constantly being visually stimulated and yeah I agree I don't know I don't think they even realize they're doing it or they they can't even help themselves and it's not a and and I've uh, in having these kinds of conversations with you I've I've come to realize that men are going to look like that it is human nature Women do it too, whether they realize it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just human nature. When someone catches your eye or something catches your eye, you are going to look. Yeah, there's but... pe- attractive people in the world. Yeah, like, exactly. You're you can't see deny them. that. Yeah. yeah. You're just like, you don't make them feel uncomfortable by that, staring that's at That's the difference, is catching yourself staring. Well, and, perf- or like like, per- like actually looking up and down. That yes. is just makes me feel nauseous. Well, oh, I don't know. I was listening to some philosopher recently and he was he coined it like this when you stare at someone you reduce their humanity and because you are therefore 
acting as if they're like a caged animal in a zoo, right? When you go there and you cage an animal and they're in the zoo and they're locked behind the cage, everyone points and they just stare. Mm. And you're effectively metaphorically doing that to someone if you just stare at them. You're no longer treating them as if they're something with their own feelings and thoughts and their own free will. Mm. You're there, at, like as we've been saying, you're objectifying them. You're taking their humanity away and you're making them an object of existence for your own enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And you've removed their humanity then by objectifying them. That's the whole point of calling it objectification because now they're an object yeah they're no longer human they're no longer human mm. you've caged them metaphorically mm. and so that it's it's like if you're staring at someone you should be like that's something to consider is you're now excusing and removing their intentionally removing their ability to um operate free freely as a human being in some sense Mm. and they and they and that's why like people might get aggressive at you when they stare at you right because it's an aggressive action because it's like caging them right oh you mean the person being stared at will get aggressive yeah the person being stared at gets aggressive because oh yeah because you're you're removing their humanity as a person so they immediately like for females they experience fear but if you stare at a guy for long enough he's gonna be like why are you staring at me Mm. right do we have a problem i get aggressive because i get scared yes yeah yeah um so yeah it's just it's it, it's a weird one in, in that sense mm. um so yeah you probably you shouldn't stare at people but i think the the cause especially from that, that sexuality standpoint is men are addicted to porn and hopefully that slowly changes i think like more and more people are talking about this kind of stuff i personally feel like it still doesn't get talked about a lot no i would love to be able to chat about that to like young men mm. and try and change their mind. And I guess that, that's what we're trying to do right now, but just like give them an alternative perspective. Cause it's not said very often, but again, I would also be very aware that for most people it'd be falling on deafs, deaf ears. Yeah. But I, I remember in high school, there was a guy who, and he was a, I think he was a chaplain. Um, Cause I went to a Catholic school and he, gave it a real good crack about talking um about this stuff with us and i was one of those kids that actually kind of left that conversation and was like oh i do really need to rethink this stuff now i think there was a very strong religious spin on it uh which i think lost a lot of the kids because it's hard sometimes to relate to to it when you when you have no understanding of where the religious ethos is coming from and so you you lose the disconnect because some people are so far so many steps removed from that that they just there's no way they can make that that faith leap um but yeah i remember i remember thinking thinking about that when i was younger but obviously it didn't stop me in some sense as well but it definitely got the ball it got the ball moving Yeah. yeah yeah i think um and you know ladies don't feel embarrassed if you want to share this with your partners um because <laughs> i've done the speaking up for you and and to hear it coming from first of all hear this perspective coming from a man 
uh, and secondly, a man who has experienced that kind of addiction is huge. What falls on deaf ears is when women try to speak about it in this way because there is this uh, this stigma and idea that women do hate porn, that they're jealous of porn, that it's like this it um yeah, it I don't know, I I get this like image of like men rolling their eyes if a mm. woman was to, if a woman was to talk about you know the the bad things of porn and i've said this to like a guy before and he just like didn't want to talk about it because he started feeling guilty and just wanted to wipe those feelings away yeah so to hear it coming from a man i think is like huge there's women that watch porn as well and it's a it's a, a similar deal as well i don't want to make it seem like it's just guys doing that it's definitely females like I, it's just the percentage is obviously very skewed, I think. I think we also, like, there's, I don't know, we have more experience in, in understanding men when it comes to porn, whereas with women it's a relatively new concept probably in the last 20 years of women watching porn and what effect that might actually be having on those women. Um, mm. And it's also, it's still, like, a little bit of a quiet, shameful thing in, like, I've... I've never had any woman I know come up to me, bar one, and say that they watch porn. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Whereas I would probably say if I asked almost anyone or any guy, Mm. I would say they've either watched porn before Mm. um, or they're currently watching porn. But I would be very shocked um, for the most part if people said, like, and that's sad that if mm. someone said to me, oh, I've never seen porn. Mm-hmm. Like that percentage is going to be super, super low. Very low. Um, and I hope there's people out there like that'd be sick. I would actually be impressed. Um, I actually, I like, I have met a person met, um, that has said that. And mm-hmm. I, w- I was so interested. I was like, what? Like, it was just, it was like seeing something you've never seen before. Like I was so intrigued by this man and he was an impressive guy. Like an angel. It, effectively yeah i just i wanted to know his secret i was like how have you managed to avoid this and I, most of it was because he came from such like a strong religious ethos it wasn't even in his field yeah it wasn't in his field of view at all and i I always spoke about him like he had this zest for life that no other guy i'd ever met have and I don't know whether that was because his testosterone was just through the roof because he just never was like he was straight edge kind of guy that was gonna just want like saving sex for marriage kind of scenario mm-hmm. and it was just I don't know he just had so much energy but I think that's also the way he was but a part of me was like is that what it's like is that what I missed out on he had this like fountain of youth kind of deal going on maybe mm. and some like i've heard a little bit woo woo but i've heard you know like asian people talk about like holding in your chi and things like that yeah you know what i mean so i was kind of getting that kind of thought oh. pattern around and i was like oh he's got like so much like chi that yang energy you know yeah, like, it makes so much sense when you think about like so you're talking about like chinese buddhism and stuff like monks are celibate yeah and they have all cheat like so they are good with their cheese so maybe that's the key i don't know i'm not advocating for it in this relationship but <laughs> <laughs> just saying like you know i mean i support you if you want to try that but you know whatever 
Yeah, no, no. I think I think I've established a pretty healthy balance in that regard. I think so too. But I'm definitely glad I was able to make that shift. Mm. The shift wasn't easy either. Like there was like relapses here and there. So like it's not going to happen straight away. Like if, and I'm talking from someone who I don't think was very deep into it. You know what I mean? Compared to others. Yeah, compared to most. Like yeah. I reckon I would have been like on the uh, the fringe. The lighter end of addiction. Yeah. Like I said at the start, like I think most people probably wouldn't even consider my usage as even addiction. Mm. Um, in most cases but to me I noticed it's it's influence on my behavior and therefore in my eyes that's an addiction if it influences my behavior consistently enough Mm. and or if it pops up in my mind consistently in my mind consistently enough Mm. I've got a problem and you can't go without it yeah yeah it's not even that you can't go without it it's just that it's popping up in your mind like you could tactically ignore the the want but if it keeps if it's popping up that means something in your neurology has a has a calling or an attachment to it. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, that, that's kind of my my rant on pornography, and hopefully the world can maybe hopefully steer away from it. I, I think, but it's I, I feel bad saying it's a bad thing because I don't want to shame people, but at the same time, from my personal experience, I've noticed a almost peace from not having it. Your, in my life. your intention isn't to shame though and that's what's mm. important your intention is to educate people because you've reaped the benefits from understanding this and taking action from it where people feel shame is within like their own shame mm. right like in listening to this if they're feeling shame or like guilt or resistance or mm-hmm. anger then that's like that's some that's a part within them that is resistant to the idea because they are attached Yes. Severely attached and they don't want to cut that cord. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you've you've spoken about it in a very very nice, even way. You wanna move on to the next topic? Yeah. There's no real, I don't think, organic way we could link these two. Um, but during our morning coffee again, we were talking about adhering to exercise plans and how people who are overweight and trying to make a big shift in their life. It's quite difficult at the start because if you've already got some extra mass around your body, you're not going to notice any changes for quite some time, like in the mirror check, Mm. which can be very unmotivating. And so when people do go to make a big shift in their life and they're going to start eating better and they're going to start working out regularly... I think it's important to understand that, especially for the first month, you're probably going to hate it because, number one, you're breaking old habits and that's hard enough as it is. Number two, you're going to be sore, like sore all the time and you you won't be used to it because you're just not used to the exercise stimulus. And after about a month is when the soreness starts to die down and you start to have a regular adaptation to the constant input that you're, you're um, having with regards to exercise or placing on yourself with regards to exercise. And so at that point, like sometimes some people, if you're already kind of trained, two weeks, boom, you're good to go. But if you're not kind of trained, like sometimes it might take a month for you to get used to that ritual and the soreness will subside 
and you'll be able to consistently do the work without being in immense pain for three to four days. Mm. Immense is probably a bit of an exaggeration, but, but discomfort. It, it will if you haven't worked out in a long time. Yeah, Dom sucks. It feels like there could be nothing more painful sometimes. And if you don't know what DOM stands for, it's delayed onset muscle soreness. And that's what happens when you do a workout, you break your muscles down, and following the few days after that, your bu- your muscles are recovering and trying to repair themselves. But when you first start working out, the workout tears more muscle down than you would probably optimally like and that's what causes some pain Mm. but you recover stronger each time and as you get used to it the tearing action doesn't quite happen as much or and and then you also adapt to the stimulus a little bit quicker Mm. and so instead of having doms for like three to four days you might have doms for a single day and then the next day you can get back at it it's also a pain that you can be... It's like it's not an unhealthy pain. It's a satisfying pain. It is a satisfying pain. And every time that you're in pain, it's almost a reminder of like, oh, holy shit, I did that. Like, I did that workout. And that was the point I wanted to make about making these changes is especially when you're in the early phases of the change, you can't focus on how is... How is this impacting the way I look? Yeah, extrinsic results. You have to focus on how is this impacting the way I'm feeling. Mm. And if you can focus on that in those start start phases, then you'll be able to continue to adhere to the program more consistently because you'll notice that you might be a little sore, but however, like Ashley just pointed out, you're going to get this sense of gratification for the work you've done that's going to give you this dopamine release throughout the day because every time you think about the things you got done the day, you're like, yeah, I did that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to uplift your mood all the time. Mm-hmm. And not only that is you get all your serotonin and dopamine coming out from just exercising anyway. Mm-hmm. So you're going to feel better. It's like taking, it's better than taking an antidepressant mm-hmm. um, throughout the day. Exercise has been shown to work more effectively than taking antidepressants. So if someone who's struggling with depression is trying to get over that, definitely start adding an exercise to your workout plan, even though it might feel hard to get into. That, that was something that I wanted to, that I forgot to say about porn, but it's also true, it's related to like exercise and stuff. So I was watching a, a video of Dr. Andrew Huberman talking about dopamine. He's like mm. a neurobiologist or like he does research yeah. into neurobiology and things like that. And he was saying that um, like social media, but more intensely, porn really skyrockets your dopamine but it's a quick, strong hit, and then it very quickly dips. Mm. So it's like, and that is also what can help fuel your need for addiction. So even like people won't, again, people won't consider this an addiction, but how many times you pick up your phone a day. If uh-huh. you looked at it in your, if you have an iPhone, you can see how many times you pick your phone up. It'd be more than 50 times a day, mm-hmm. which is insane, which is an addiction. So that, that too gives you a quick hit of dopamine and then it, it lowers again. When you do stuff, something that's painful, so instead of seeking pleasure, mm. you're seeking some sort of pain or discomfort, like an ice bath or um, working out, you, you, do, you get a, an increase in dopamine that's more steady and sustained, and then you don't get as low of a drop. Yeah. So it's not, that's, I mean, people do get addicted to exercise, but for various reasons. But that's why you find most people tend to be more addicted to things that quote unquote give them pleasure Mm -hmm. than things that give them pain. But in reality, you're actually getting more benefit when you seek that which gives you some form of healthy discomfort. 
Yes. Mm. I have a hunch feeling that the reason why those things that give you discomfort give you a longer sense of dopamine is because you are neurologically changing your brain chemistry by changing the way you feel about your day for the whole day. And it's it's kind of the effect of keeping dopamine high is actually because you feel better about yourself in general. It like it doesn't and that therefore produces more dopamine. Does that make sense? So it's actually the feeling that comes first before the dopamine stays. Sits in, it's right. this it's this sense of achievement. Mm. And when you've achieved a whole heap of tasks, you feel proud about yourself. You have high self-esteem and those kinds of things snowball into you genuinely feeling better all around. And when you feel better all around, you release dopamine. Mm. I, I think a lot of people think that they start at dopamine and they're like, oh, I need more dopamine mm. because more dopamine means I'll feel better. Mm-hmm. But really, you have to find a way to make yourself feel better to release more dopamine. Yeah. It, it works like that. And people get that back to front all the time. Like mm. I'm someone who usually has a very good positive outlook. I will probably, I, I would, like I don't know for sure, but I would... Uh, infer that my dopamine levels are probably higher than the average person. But it's not because I just naturally have higher dopamine levels. It's because I do a lot of stuff and I feel good about the things I've done. Mm -hmm. And that spikes my dopamine up higher and therefore I feel positive all the time. Mm. Uh, I think, yeah, I think you're right on, you hit the nail on the head with that one. And I think most people, when they get rid of things that they're addicted to, like phone or porn, mm. and they move towards things that they know are good for them, that mm-hmm. even if they do get that, that sense of achievement, there is, like we talked about with you know being overweight, exercising, and that time frame of losing weight, there is going to be a period where you're detoxing from being constantly stimulated all the time. Mm-hmm. Like with the weight loss, there's going to be a period of time where you're not seeing external results and then eventually, when you consistently commit to that, even though you're not seeing some kind of result or even though you're feeling like a bit of a lull, eventually, suddenly, things are great. You're not only you feeling results, but you end up seeing results, whether that's like seeing it within yourself or yeah. seeing it externally too. You could even use it as like a microcosm of setting yourself like a small target goal. Let, let's say you want to quit porn. And every, like, every time you have the urge to... to go act, uh, engage in that stimulus instead of feeling shame about the fact that you feel like you want to go engage that stimulus choose not to do it and then reward yourself with like positive self-talk about not doing it mm. and you will increase your dopamine mm. instead of shaming yourself about the want mm. right and then after a certain amount of time of just like constantly not like choosing the right path, you're going to feel better and better about yourself. And if you relapse, you'll find that you're going to feel like you're going to have this almost excitement, right? About like getting back into your addiction. You'll notice how, how excited you feel and you've got this massive dopamine hit. And then you'll also notice how shameful you feel immediately after because you broke a promise with yourself. Yeah. Boom, dopamine drops. Yeah. Right? Because you're now you're disappointed. Yeah. It's disappointment that causes the dopamine drop. And then you've got other hormones in your body that are coming up. And you're like, damn it. Now I'm defeated. And yeah. the, the feeling of defeated 
is is what makes you feel down yeah I think with that it could even be and I've I've I was on antidepressants for a while and I went cold turkey and I wouldn't recommend that to people because I was very nauseous and um not not that I noticed much about my emotions at that point but when I and again people wouldn't think this is an addiction but coffee when I was having like three shot coffees a day like one coffee three shots but, or I would have a, I would have a two shot coffee in the morning and then a two shot coffee at lunchtime. Mm. When I when I quit that cold turkey when we were on a trip in Byron, I had migraine like headaches for two weeks. Mm. So then I started drinking coffee again. But mm-hmm. what I ended up doing was I I did the the super strong coffees and then a couple weeks later, I dropped to just a regular coffee yeah and then a couple weeks later i dropped to having um a regular coffee and then a half strength coffee and then a regular coffee and a half strength coffee every day then i dropped to i don't even remember what i dropped i think i dropped to half strength coffees at that point and i did notice a lull and it was hard Mm -hmm. but i knew why i needed to do it and i held that why strong in my head i was like i don't want to feel that way i don't want to I don't want to feel like I have to rely on something to get me up every morning, mm. um, especially if there's like a chance that I can't have it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't want to have that addiction. And I also just didn't want to end up having migraines again. Yeah. Um, so I cut to half strength coffees and then I started doing decaf and now I'm fully, de- <laughs> fully on decaf. My energy levels are great. I'm noticing like when I actually want to sleep and rest and things like that. And it's, mm. it's crazy. So don't like if, if, completely quitting cold turkey if you do find you're consistently relapsing try cutting down to yeah you need to wean yourself off if you if we're talking about an addiction to something yeah start weaning yourself off in like a couple week blocks but if you're trying to reintroduce a healthy habit do do the same thing start introducing little bits here and there and but have a plan like these two weeks I'll I'll exercise this amount the next two weeks and it work up to your goal of working out four times a week you know what i mean yeah no you're you're exactly right and as you like for for me personally like as you become more disciplined with all different parts of your life you'll find it way easier if you want to make a change to just cold turkey something mm because you've got so much discipline in all these other areas, it's almost like you've got a full tank of discipline just ready to go. Yeah. And so you're you're far more capable of just being like, yep, that needs to go. I just like read a paper on its negative effects. I look a little more. Yeah, this is definitely something that I could make a change. Why not make the change? Boom, do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the tank of discipline definitely is one. Of, it's a weird thing that you actually get more fuel in the tank by being by using more discipline i think it's because you actually having discipline makes you understand the long-term reward that you get yeah delayed gratification yes and once you fully understand that then suddenly it's so much easier to make other changes in your life yeah Mm. yeah yeah It's, it's hard because we live in a society in which the reward wants to come quick and fast because that's the way you create the fastest growth. And a society's addicted to perpetual growth right now. And so everything kind of comes fast. You don't really have to relate. Uh, sorry, you don't have to wait on much. Even like it comes down to uh, 
Afterpay and things like that, laybys, mm. like afterpay, like it started a layby, and now we got afterpay. You can get your thing straight away and pay for it later. And people are just constantly rewarding themselves without even having to do the work to get to the point where you can afford something or do the work before, like, like fat shakes and things like that. It's just cheat codes that a lot of the time don't, don't work, work, right? Because you can't cheat your code your way. Your, your way into having a consistent disciplined mindset mm. you just can't it, it the only thing that's going to get you there is by doing the thing you need to do over and over and over and over and over again mm-hmm. yeah be your own parent yeah <laughs> that's pretty much how i put it yeah well that's exactly what growing up is Oh, we could go into a tangent on... I know, I could just keep talking about You just about opened that. up a window in my mind. <laughs> well, I think we're running out of time, but yes. we have to do our questions. Yes, okay, what's the first question? Okay, the first question uh, is, <laughs> is... What's the dumbest thing you've spent money on? I feel like you could answer this better for me than I could. Well, I don't know. You've got a few of them in my books now, so yeah. I, I, don't let me put you on blast. You've well, the to... question is, what, how, what isn't what have you spent a ridiculous amount of money on the dumbest thing for, yeah. you know what I mean? No, yeah, Which I be... have done. Well, yes, you have done. I think you want to talk about this. Okay, right? You've yes. alluded to it. The people want to know. Oh, so much shame. Um, <laughs> I did. I wanted to get some photos done for my like life coaching website and things like that. So I went and I... I got a discount and I went to the studio and I ended up buying thousands of dollars worth of photos that like, oh, it's so dumb because I can't even, like I hardly use, I do use them very rarely. You can only use them a couple times, really. Um, they look nice, but were they worth the money that I spent on them? Absolutely not. So that's to me the dumbest mo- thing I've spent money on, in my opinion. The photos? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, I've I, come a long way, okay? <laughs> yeah. When you, when you, like, you kind of just pulled the trigger on that one too. You didn't even consult me. No, because, okay, well, first of all, I don't <laughs> have to consult you with every purchase I make. <laughs> Secondly, it was, they literally, and this is why I stepped away from life coaching too, because life coaches can be like this, where they make you decide on the spot. If you walk away today, you cannot change your mind. If you mm. walk away today, you will never get these photos. Mm-hmm. So it's like a manipulation tactic. And I felt, I felt manipulated. Yeah, you're effectively getting suckered yeah. or scammed yes. into a purchase. Yep. Which is just like great sales, sales work. But, it's um, horrible humanity. Agreed. I, w- I would agree with that. What's interesting about that is, is if I spent or was looking to spend anything over a few hundred dollars... I would most certainly ask you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, now. I love how you're like, you're like power to the women kind of yeah. scenario. You're like, I don't have to ask you for shit. Yeah, well, it was like a business purchase. So I was like, I'm consulting my business and my business says it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just call my CEO to ask. Oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've done so much money work since then. And we've established that we can indeed trust me with money now. Yeah. Why do you sound hesitant? Well, I'm like, I'm, I'm still not sure. You're still sure. a bit nervous. Yeah. Well, you know, what's important is I know I can trust myself. And now it's just about, you know, the, you finding the evidence that you can trust me. Yeah, I, I most certainly can tell that you've learnt for the most part from those experiences. Um, so I, I, and I think in the future you will ask me 
hey, do you think this is a good idea? I consult you about so much more now. Yeah, like, you do. I, yeah, I, I actually need time to think about things and I sometimes don't grab myself that time. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the, what... So if you want to sell Ashley anything, just give her a call. No! <laughs> yeah, help kidding. me practice saying no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what's the most common thing you praise people for? Do you want to answer this one? You didn't answer the other one. Oh, you want me to answer the other one? We don't have a lot of time, but I'm seeing um okay what's the dumbest thing you've spent money on what's the dumbest thing i've spent money on hmm. or you could even answer the second question if you'd like no i want to answer this one real quick all right what's the dumbest thing i've spent money on god i don't I, i'm oh probably buying a subaru <laughs> i thought of your i thought of the subi straight away when yeah. you asked that question uh, that's like, it's, yeah, for a second I was like, this is hard. No, I went through a really big car phase and I just kept getting, I was just thinking I could constantly swap cars. I was swapping cars all the time and I just wanted to drive and have a different car every year. And I practically was doing that every year and it was working really well for a while. But as we know, eventually you're going to bite the bullet of getting um, a lemon and I spent so much money on this car and it would run great and then it would another issue would pop up and I'd have to fix it and it'd run great and I'd have to fix it and I think that's just the joys of owning like a car that's highly modified mm. and if you're someone who enjoys doing that all the time then I would say all power to you I thought I was going to be that person that enjoyed just constantly working on my car all the time However, I didn't have the income to have two cars. Eventually, I did end up having two cars and I was just supporting both these cars, which was, I wasn't saving, I was barely saving at that point, which was ridiculous. I wish I hadn't have spent all that money on cars and I spent all that money just slapping it aside so I could have bought a house before this COVID crisis. But yeah, it's, um, it was definitely one of my biggest regrets is, getting into a huge car guy phase in the poorest time of my life. <laughs> like, mm. it just doesn't make any sense. Cars are so expensive. It's such an expensive hobby to have. and It's just a reckless time in anyone's life, I think. You're young, early, late teens, early 20s. I don't know a teen. Like, there's very few teens that I'm aware of as men that or young men that don't have, like, a bit of a car fetish for a bit. Like, mm. it's just such a powerful feeling and experience mm. and you just again dudes are pretty competitive so you want to have the like the cooler car out of the group and then all of a sudden everyone's like just constantly talking about this new thing they're going to put on their car and everyone's like yeah i got this i got that i got this i got that well the mine's better than yours and check out this check out that and now you're all of a sudden and then you're driving recklessly and things like that like it's just it's dumb it's a hole yeah. but again it's like one of those life lessons that you i think you have to go through in some sense and i agree you gotta learn so, sorry, we'll go back to the next question. What's the most common thing you praise people for? You go, go. I think mine is, it's firstly the way people look, especially if, like, I've seen them come in, bef like, for in salon perhaps, or I've met them in person and I've seen them in a state where, like, they're, they're a little, like, down on themselves or something. And then I see them walk in and they actually genuinely look good or, like, they have, like, like just, like, a... They just pick themselves up a little bit. Mm. I'll make a comment on, like, you're looking really fit lately or like 
I really like your earrings. Or it always seems to be like a physical appearance thing. Because mm-hmm. I think people don't hear it enough. But I do gen- only say it when I genuinely mean it. Yeah. So, and people probably don't think that, but that's what I do. Yeah, no, that's cool. I, I, I'm kind of along the same uh, wavelength. Like, I do like complimenting. If some, if I've noticed someone's, like, made a genuine attempt to, um, like, a, like, get fitter, I'll definitely make a comment on that. Like, it's always a, a good way to, particularly with guys, just create, like, a fun, free vibe that's just instantaneously instantaneously removes walls mm. and you'd be like people like especially dudes they remember that they're like oh that guy complimented me on like being in shape mm. um and especially when it comes from someone who's already like in shape mm. and so they notice that like it, it means it just means a lot because like you in some cases like they might be looking up to you mm-hmm. and you don't even know that um but yeah so that's always a good one um the other thing I r- focus on praising people for these days is I always let them know, particularly in work circumstances, I let them know that, that, that when they've done a good job, I always tell them you're doing a really good job. Mm. And um, I praise them on how hard that like ha- for their hard work, mm-hmm. because that's something I think that always goes underlooked, mm-hmm. uh, overlooked, sorry, is for the most part, we're all doing work that never gets recognition. Mm-hmm. And so if you can if you can recognize the hard work that those people around you are putting in, it's it's just like the best feeling. And it'll, they're going to just give you always just that little bit more or they're going to try a little bit harder the next time they do it. And it, it does instill a, a bit of a growth mindset in some sense because mm-hmm. you're praising the work um, rather than just something that's fixed yeah i i do that too i realize when people tell me that they they're doing things outside their comfort zone mm. when people say like I've, i'm trying this new thing or like i've started doing and, it, and it's something i know has pushed them outside of their comfort zone mm. i make sure to praise them for that too because that's that's something that can easily be overlooked within your own mind like oh i did the thing now what but yeah. it actually deserves to be recognized because that pushing through persevering grit that all deserves to be praised. Yeah. 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 So that, that's a great one. Cool. That was a fun podcast. That was. All right. Let us know if you want to hear anything. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing you want us to talk about. (laughs) Uh, I refuse to talk to her in that voice. Why? Why don't you like it? Oh God. He hates American accents in women anyway. So. Whoa. I hate the LA accent. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and I hate the, I hate the. It's, it's like it's it's more like this, and <laughs> <laughs> oh, it makes me so just cringe because it feels inauthentic. It feels. Fake. It is. It's just fake. Yeah, it's yeah. fake. I like. I, there's very few people that I think actually have to talk like that. Oh, very rarely. <laughs> I'm sure it's all of a facade. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's something we don't praise. <laughs> oh, okay, bye. Gross. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. 
If you did, be sure to leave our podcast a rating, subscribe, and hit the bell button to be notified when new episodes come out. And if you'd like to support us, we've set up a GoFundMe to help us with production costs and professional equipment so we can continue to show up and keep the good times coming. We appreciate you and uh, catch you next time. Bye. <laughs> All right. Bitch, bounce. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new outro. <laughs> <laughs>